No Sitting on the Sideline Dab Podcast, episode number two. Welcome to another episode of No Sitting on the Sideline Down Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Foley. Thank you much for being here. I really do appreciate it, spending time. I know as a dad and a parent, they're so busy, pulling them in different directions and trying to figure out, do we have any extra time? Well, thank you for listening to this podcast. On today's episode, I have a conversation with author Bill Byrne about how long does it take to catch a fish. It's not the ins and outs of catching a fish, but a journey about being a dad and a parent. Bill is a former marketing executive and educator. He lives in Northern Virginia, proud dad of two children. Today's episode, we have an interview with Bill, and we talk about the journey of being a father and the struggles and loss of his father at a young age. This book is a collection of short stories about being a dad and a son, also learning from his experience what's really important in life. Who will enjoy this book? Any dad who connects with the stories of parenting. The book will be great father's gift for any father who's going through the journey of being a dad and a parent. So here the interview with Bill. Well, welcome, Bill. Thanks for coming to the podcast. I really appreciate spending time with me here today. Joe, it's great to be here. Um, what's, can you tell me a little bit about yourself, please? Sure, Joe. I'm, I'm a semi-retired uh, sales and marketing executive and edu- former educator. And I have a family. I have two uh, children. They're grown now, but I have one son and one daughter. And they're both grown and out of the house and in their 20s now. And the book that I wrote is a little bit about uh, the early stages of my relationship with my son back during his adolescent years. That's very interesting. It seems like um, when I was reading your book, I I realized we're in both different uh, seasons of being a father. In the sense, um, my son's just turned to be turning three, and your son is already out of the house and, and is a little further down the road. And it was interesting to read your your take on things about, with your son Patrick, and um, and how you know your relationship progressed, and it was very interesting. Well. Uh, I have a younger brother, and he's kind of at your stage of the game. And uh, when I visit with him and I see his four-year-old son and one-year-old daughter, it it brings back some memories, but mostly it just exhausts me because you are at such an intense, hands-on stage. I, I tip my hat to you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's an ongoing process. Learning it, when you think, think you figure something out, you really didn't. You don't really. You didn't figure it out. <laughs> it changes all the time. Well, I get that, Joe, because really that was kind of where the idea for how long does it take to catch a fish sort of came from. As a young father, and even today, as an old father. I'm constantly wondering, am I doing this right? And I think that's a feeling that many parents have. They ask the question, why hasn't anybody written this stuff down? If you think about it, if each generation had just written down one good rule about raising our children, this would be so much easier. But it just doesn't seem to work this way. And what I've done in in my book is try to capture. I'm a writer at heart, so it doesn't seem like much of a surprise that I would write down this constant second-guessing I had done 
during my son's earlier years about how, the kind of work that I was doing in raising him. So from one perspective, it's kind of a diary of my son's childhood, but the other motivation came on a more personal level. The book is really an attempt by me to come to terms with the loss of my father when I was a young man. And if you consider parenting to be a very difficult job, trying to do it without having had the benefit of, of, of the experience of a father to guide you, that I think um, makes it a little bit more of a challenge. And something I learned, not only in the writing of the book, but in speaking to other men and other fathers, that this, how common an experience it was for, for men that grew up with, without fathers and, and how difficult it was for them sometimes to fill in the blanks and, and find the way to do it right when it was their turn to work with their son. And, and so that was kind of the background. I wanted to document my armchair quarterbacking of raising my son, but also it was kind of a personal journey to come to terms uh, with the loss of my own father. That's really where the book came from. Um, I noticed one of the special moments in the book, um, your father, you and your father went fishing. We, we had several fishing trips. You, you know, he was a, a 60s and 70s dad, so we didn't go to the soccer game every weekend, but he made time for fishing trips on occasion, and those are some of my most special memories of our time together. Do you have any, any, any good memories, like fishing stories with him? or? Well, uh, finally, we, we uh, wore him down to the point where instead of uh, just using our bamboo poles from the shoreline, uh, he would actually rent. We would go fishing just on uh, up at the local reservoir, and we, we got him to rent the little boats with the electric motors. And uh, on, on, on one particular occasion, uh, Dad was pretty tired. I guess it had been a long night or a long weekend for him. And, and I remember my brother and I kind of sitting in the back of the boat, steering it. He was, he was actually sleeping with his head in the bow of the boat. So we're kind of trying to guide our way around the reservoir from the uh, direction which his upturned nostrils were facing. Now, I know that's not a pretty story, but, you know, sometimes fishing isn't pretty. Funny thing you say that. Well, we were talking before when I mentioned to you were trying to get in touch with me and set up this uh, interview that uh, I was on vacation and went fishing with my son. And it kind of kind of made me uh, understand where you're coming from with spending time with your father. And I wanted, when I was reading your book, I really wanted to spend the time with my son. It was really not about catching the fish, but it was really more about the moments that the time that spend with my child. And it kind of, reading the book kind of made me think about what's more important. Well, I think we're on the same track there, Joe. Certainly, how long does it take to catch a fish is a collection of short stories about the adventures that fathers and sons undertake and sometimes survive when allowed to operate without adult supervision. Sometimes they can get pretty crazy. There's stories about fishing. There's stories about homework battles. There's stories about paintball wars. And from one perspective, the book is just a simple collection of stories about childhood. But I think it's also about the value and what we value as parents and families. And the challenge of making the time to try to appreciate, to try to be grateful for 
the people that are important in our lives, we're all so busy. We're moving in a hundred different directions at a thousand miles an hour. And a lot of these moments slip by without their being appreciated or even taking place if we don't make the effort. And that's certainly one of, I think, the, the recurring themes that you see in the book, the importance of making time for the people that are important in our life. What is your greatest fear as a parent? Was a parent when your kids were younger? Okay, well, I'll tell you a story there. Only one of the greatest recurring fears that I had raising my children when my wife let me do it by myself was losing them. So Pat and I went to see a, a Ravens football game. It was one of the, I think, the first time that he actually went to see the uh, professional football game. And he was nine or ten at the time. And it turned out it was a Christmas Day game in, at the stadium in Baltimore. So, of course, Dad, I wore my Santa outfit. I mean, it seemed like a perfectly obvious approach to the uh, experience there. So Pat and I, are, we enjoy the game. The uh, Ravens came back to win towards the end. And the stadium's starting to fill out, to, fill, to empty out a little bit. So I think it's time for me to lead the Santa conga line. And there were a lot of Santas at the game that day. So I, I, I said, Pat, you wait right here. We're in the upper deck, and it was kind of emptying out. So you wait right here. I'm going to go see if I can get some other Santas to do a little conga line around the stadium and maybe mom and the family will see us on TV. Well, I went off and sure enough, all the other guys dressed like Santa looked at me like I was crazy. And uh, it was just because to show that they weren't real Santa Clauses. But by the time I gave up, I turned around only to find I couldn't see my son. And I had about five minutes there in a, in a football stadium where I thought I'd actually lost my son. And, and this is a recurring fear. There are many episodes of this happening over the course of my time with my kids when they were smaller. And, and, and a few minutes later, I saw him waving his hand. And as it turns out, when Pat tells the story, he'll tell you that he saw me for every minute. And the look on my face, he says, was so priceless when he realized that I realized I had no idea where he was. Uh, but while that was a recurrent fear, it wasn't one that, that ever actually came to pass. So I must have got off easy. I can. Um, I have a three-year-old who seems to run every switch direction, and I can totally understand that fear because one minute he's there, next minute, where do you go? What is um? I would say, what's your what is a victory? Like, what is your like any thing that you say like a great moment as a parent that you would like a victory or a really a really great moment being a parent? Well, my son. Uh, I'll tell you that I have a very clear memory in that regard, and uh, it's a little bit later than the time span covered in the book. But in college, my son was an economics major, just like myself. Yeah. Although. I really hope I never drummed it into his head that he had to follow in my footsteps to any degree. I think, I'm sure in some ways I influenced him, but it was pretty much his course to take. And uh, towards in his senior year, he participated in an event that was sponsored by the, the uh, Federal Reserve Bank, where they have students participate in a little competition where colleges put together teams and the students are they put together recommendations for fiscal policy, which sounds extremely boring to anybody who's not an economist. But as a parent, as an econ major, to be able to take a day off from work and go down and see my son and his classmates make this presentation at the Federal Reserve Bank down in Richmond, 
it was one of the greatest and most satisfying experiences I ever had as a parent. And it was a real gift from my son to me. Nice. That, that sounds like a really great, great moment to share with your son. Especially wonderful for Patrick. He has an older sister, the bane of every young man, a smarter, more popular older <laughs> sister, a great young woman in her own right. And she had participated in the same competition two years. And I had the opportunity to go out to Chicago to see her do her presentation there. And much to Pat's delight, his team made it to the second round, which Aaron was unable to do. So that's something it was a rare opportunity for him to prove himself in direct competition with his sister, and he's never let her forget it. Little brother always being a team with a sister. That's that's funny. Another thing, I, one of the things that stuck out to me in the, in the book, and and something I think we touched a little base when we were messaging back and forth on Twitter, and um, it's, and you had a brief reflection. I was I'll read the what I wrote down. A brief reflection of each story that draws readers. This is from the book. Thoughts a broader question of how we remember, and we're remembered by the people that are most important in our lives. I don't know if you want to um, maybe little talk a little more about that. I think that is one of the recurrent themes in the book. And there's a lot of stories about memories and experiences in the book. And, and to a large degree, it is our experiences and our choices later in life that make us the people that we are, Joe. But it's the people that care and love about love us that help us to become the people we want to be. That's a tough job. Most of us can't do it by ourselves. But when we make the time, I think, to be a little bit more grateful for, to be a little bit more appreciative of the people that are important in our life, I think we open the door for them to help us in that goal to be the people we want to be. And if it's one thing that this process of writing the book and sharing it with family and talking about it with folks has helped me better understand, it's the importance of making time for the people that are important in our lives. It, it's really something that the, that the book brought home for me. Well, one question I, I did mention that you did lose your father at a young age, and um, did anybody step up and fill that role after your father passed? Did you do any mentors, any any father figures in your life? Joe, that is such an important concept, and it's I think something that men who haven't gone through that experience might not fully appreciate. I had many friends of the family, relatives at critical times, step in and play an important role in providing encouragement or opening the door for me throughout my life. And if there's a thought that I could live, that I could leave with men who know young men who have lost their fathers, it's to look for those opportunities. It's easy to say, well, it's an awkward period when someone loses their father. You don't really know what to do. And I totally get that. But whatever you do, as long as you reach out in some way, you will be making a very big difference in that young man's life. Even if it's just to talk to him about his father. Because that was something I was always interested in hearing about. I had a strong need to hear about my father 
from the men who knew him. And it, it really made a big difference. And I, and I think that that's something when the situation arises that would allow us to make a big impact in the lives of these young men. And that's something when I spoke with men and fathers about the book, it was really eye opening to realize how common an experience this fatherlessness is and how far reaching its implications are. It's it's really important. I mean, I can say from my experience that um, my, I didn't lose my dad. My dad was not in my life, so we didn't have a father figure. So I can kind of relate not having a father figure in my life. My experience was that I had a great dad for not quite as long as I would have preferred. Okay, he died very tragically of a heart attack at the age of 44. But you know, you can look at that experience and there are many other ways in which it can play out. There are other circumstances which I can't imagine how much more difficult they must be for the young men who have to deal with. Suicide is the sixth leading cause of death for men in this country. That leaves a lot of families without fathers. And there are many other families where for one reason or another, the father has been absent. Those situations, I, I can't imagine how much more difficult they must be for the people involved. And this book is a story about fathers and sons because that's my experience. Fatherlessness is just as serious an issue for young women who grow up without fathers and for the single mothers that have such great struggles in keeping their families together without the support of a committed partner. So um, I think that's exactly my, that was my experience. The more I speak about this with other men, it, the experience is so common in one way or another or, and so far reaching. It's really, I used to think it was a big issue for me, but the book and what I've learned from speaking to people has helped me to understand it's a big issue, period. One question I have is, um, since you lost your father at a young age, did you ever think when you had your children, did you ever the thought about your mortality, um, how long you want you try to be around for them? Did it ever come across your mind at all? Uh, it, look, it's always out there. I come from a fine Irish tradition of, of heart attacks. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons I wrote the book was to sort out all the feelings that were going on in association with how that played out. And I'll have to tell you, I'm a little bit embarrassed to say there was a lot of anger there. I was, I think I was a little bit, I was very angry um, with my dad for not being around. And I mean, it's a completely ridiculous thought. He certainly didn't have a heart attack on purpose and he lost as much as, as our family did with, you know, not being there for the graduations and the marriages. He lost, he missed out on as much as we did. Um, and there's days where I still struggle to sort that out. So it's absolutely uh, had a, you know, I, I counted the days getting close to that 44th birthday. And it's a thought that is always out there. Uh, you know, someday I won't be there for my children. And that's a, a sobering reality that we all have to face, hopefully later than sooner. Exactly. I totally agree. Well, um, Bill, I was my final thoughts. One thing I would like to ask is, do you have any advice you can give to fathers who are starting the journey of being the father? I have great concern when I start offering advice 
where other people start giving <laughs> advice. I will say this, though. What I've tried to do in writing the book was share my experiences. And it helped me to understand a lot of things by reviewing them and thinking about them and writing them. And some folks have shared with me that reading them has helped them to look at parenting um, and the relationships with their parent, with their father, with their son in a new light. And that's been, been very comforting to me. So I would say that look to your own experience, look to the experience of other folks that you love and respect and, and use that as a guide in making some of these difficult decisions that we face on a day-to-day basis when we're raising our children. Thank you, Bill. Um, I really appreciate um, coming on the podcast today. I really, really appreciate spending time. Where can we find the book? Joe, the book is available on Amazon. If you're a Kindle Unlimited subscriber, you can book share it for free, um, or you can get it downloaded, or you can get the uh, hard cop ordered through Amazon. And uh, I appreciate your asking that, and I hope that other people will enjoy reading the book as much as I did writing. Where else they can find you if they want to have a conversation or ask questions? Where else they can find you on the Internet or social media? Uh, the best way to reach me is at the book's website, and that would be catchafish.co. Not com, but catchafish.co. You can find plenty of information about ordering the book or getting in contact with me. All right. Well, thank you, Bill, and um, I really appreciate it. And um, thanks, for, thanks for coming on. Joe, it was great talking, and good luck with your No Sitting on the Sideline podcasts. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much for joining me on the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad podcast. I really hope you enjoyed the interview with Bill Byron about how long to take catch a fish. You can find Bill Byrne's book over at Amazon.com. Look for the link for the book in the show notes. And if you'd like to get in touch with Bill about his book, his contact information will be in the show notes also. Also, if you feel free, if you want to contact and make any suggestions, feedback, constructive constructive feedback, the website is nosittingonthesideline.com. Or if you feel and reach out and just want to send me an email, you can find find my email address on my email address is joe at nosittingonthesideline.com. You also can find me on the Twitter at nsosdadpodcast. Well, thank you very much for listening. Till next time, have fun, get involved with your children. 